Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Randy Johnson with High Desert Sheep Guides. You could call him a legend. He is uh, old school, grew up uh, hunting mule deer with his dad and his grandfather back in the, as he says, the glory days of mule deer hunting in the 50s and 60s. And is just a well-known, respected individual in the sheep hunting space. So I just want to have a conversation with him. I want to have a good conversation to him about what he thought about sheep conservation efforts, the North American wildlife model, what his thoughts are around social media, what do we need to do as hunters today to continue our hunting lifestyle. Just a good old-school conversation about hunting. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So, Randy, I know you're not going to say yes to this, okay? But you're a legend, right? I guess it depends on how you define legends. There's lots of definitions for that. Uh, some people may say yes. And in my mind, I'm just a normal person that's spent a lot of great years out on the mountain working hard, and that's my passion. And 
just a normal person. Randy, was there a time in your career or a time in your life, let me say that, that you cannot remember not hunting? I don't believe so, Robbie. I started very young, you know, five or six years old, trailing behind my grandpa and my dad, and and hunting's been my life. Uh, when I was in school, I loved reading all of the books on on hunting, from Zane Gray to Jack O'Connor, and and so I, I don't believe there is a time I can ever remember where hunting hasn't been a very large part of my life. Were, was your dad and your grandfather, were they sheep hunters? Were they just general Western hunters? Yeah, they were just general Western hunters, primarily mule deer. Uh, in southern Utah, in the good old days, uh, mule deer was the animal that everyone hunted. Uh, even, uh, back then, years ago, elk wasn't even a big thing uh, because the elk herds uh, hadn't what grown. What are we talking, like Randy? Day. What's that? What are we talking? What what time scale are we talking here? Uh, I would say uh, in the fifties and sixties. Okay. And uh, as far as sheep hunters, uh, I don't think my grandpa and dad even knew really what wild sheep were. Uh, that came into my life later. Well, uh, Randy Johnson, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. It's truly, truly an honor to have you on and, and, and have a really good conversation, discussion, whatever we want to call it. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning. So for those who do not know who Randy Johnson is, do you want to just give a brief introduction to who you are? Well, I'm, as I said, I'm just a normal person who loves hunting like each one of uh, you do. I grew up in a very rural, small community in southern Utah by the name of, of Marysville. I basically spent uh, my life in this region other than uh, when I went to college. And uh, in college, I played a lot of baseball. That was also a large... Uh, uh, part of my life, and and so I would say I'm just a small town, rural boy. Randy is um, Mary's Vale. Did you say Mary's Vale? Yes, Mary's Vale. Is Tropic Utah anywhere close to Mary's Vale? Tropic is about an hour uh, south of where I live, and there's some great people in Tropic. I have some excellent friends there, and. And, of course, they're so close to Bryce Canyon National Park, uh, they live in a great area also. Do you, do you by chance, know the Meekums? Yes, I do. Uh, I spent uh, quite a bit of time with Clint Meekum, who uh, passed away, unfortunately, yes, a sir. few years ago. Just a great man uh, on some uh, sheep captures and transplants that he was helping on, and and uh, spent some time with young Hunter Meekum one time helping out on a sheep survey in a in a helicopter. And uh, I know Hunter's dad very well, and I haven't had a chance actually to meet uh, the grandpa who is who is a legend truly uh, when it yes, comes sir. to lion hunting. Uh, great, great man. 
Yeah, we have a uh, a Lion Houndsman documentary. I don't know if I told you about it when we we met, but we've got a Lion Houndsman documentary coming out called Lion Heart, and it's truly, I think, going to change the narrative around probably one of the most vilified practices in the hunting sphere, which is predator hunting with dogs, and it's a capture of the heart of a houndsman and their relationship with their hound, and has nothing to do with hunting. And those individuals, those individuals, Robbie, uh, they have such love and passion for what they do. And until we can spend time with them, with their hounds, uh, following the hounds, et cetera, et cetera, we truly don't understand really what they represent. And, and truly, they belong to an incredible profession. So I tip my hat to what you guys are going to do. Uh, with that podcast or with that documentary. Yeah, it's going to be quite amazing. We're going to debut it in the middle of August in Colorado, in a little town in Colorado for the Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management. And then we're going to put it into a bunch of film festivals. And it's being built specifically for non-hunters, Randy. It's not being built for the hunting community. Awesome. And we want to put it into these non-hunting film festivals to show hey, you've got this this misperception around who these guys are. And yes, there's bad apples in any of our industries, in anything, baseball included. <laughs> but you cannot, you cannot, you know, stroke a broad brush across everyone that that's what, the, that sort of is the connotation for if, what a hunter is. Exactly. Or a houndsman. You guys are doing it the right way. Randy, what do you, do you specialize in sheep hunting? Is that what you're known for? today uh i would say that's that is what i'm knowing known for i've i've been doing that robbie for probably 30 years that was never my profession i mean i spent 42 years as an educational administrator teacher etc that was uh really how i earned my living but uh i became hooked on on sheep Almost 30 years ago, when I was doing some backpacking in some remote locations, I ran into uh, some wild sheep. They fascinated me because of the remote wild terrain that they live in. And and then uh, I began to get asked by hunters who knew I'd spent a lot of time in the desert if I would start guiding them after sheep. Hmm. And that's how I uh, got into that that love of my life. But as I said, it's, it's never what I really have done for a living. Uh, I do it because that's what I love to do. I, I, like, I love to get out there in those remote places and explore and go on adventures and, and help people who may not be successful if they didn't have me there to show them where and how to get into terrain. And, and so that's how... I kind of was introduced uh, to sheep hunting, and and I, I have been fortunate as an individual that uh, I'm not one of those persons that's independently wealthy, and sheep hunting in some aspects has become a wealthy man's sport, at least for some sheep. Why do you say in some aspects, Randy? I would argue that it's in all aspects. Like no, oh, well, it's you know, very difficult I, I don't know that I would argue with hunt. you over that. I, I think it has been became uh if you're someone like me and and you're very fortunate 
to draw a tag, then you may be able to do it financially. But true, true. If you have to go, if you're going to go book a, a stone sheep hunt, it's going it's to cost you seventy to eighty thousand dollars right now, and most normal individuals they just can't afford to do that uh, and unless they luck out and draw a lottery tag for one of those hunts and and so mm-hmm. it has become a in many ways uh what would it cost someone who just what would it cost if someone just for instance i've been putting in and i haven't but just hypothetically i've been putting in for the desert big horn in arizona 19 years i pulled the tag it's a pretty cheap tag. I, I, what what is it in Arizona now? A thousand bucks or something like that. If you pull it, you it, have to pay it. It might be twenty five hundred, uh, between a thousand twenty five hundred to pay for okay. the tag. What would it cost to hire someone like uh, you diff- to different do something like that? that? Charge different fees in different states, but I'm guessing uh, my friends who are sheep outfitters in Arizona probably are charging. Seventy five hundred uh, would just be a basic fee uh, for probably a seven day hunt. Mm-hmm. If you were to hunt Rockies in, say, a Wyoming, draw a Rocky tag, it's going to cost you more to hire an outfitter because they have to use uh, a lot of horses and and pack those camps in a long ways, and so their fees would go up. But uh, you would be looking at uh, that kind of a fee to hire a, a desert uh, wild sheep guide. Yeah. Uh, Randy, are you still in the educator business, or have you retired from being an educator? I actually am retired. I, I retired about seven years ago, and so now my life uh, is primarily backpacking, exploring, chasing sheep, spending time with clients, and, and I do... Take some time to chase my grandkids around, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> that's and awesome. That's, that's awesome. Randy, do you have any thoughts to, and maybe you haven't been embroiled in, you know, the hunting industry at times can be probably one of the pettiest industries <laughs> that I know. Absolutely. And, but, you know, there's there's something, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about the North American wildlife model and these really, really expensive tags that are sold at, at, at sheep events and, and all sorts around the, uh, around the country sort of being the antithetical to the North American wildlife model. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts around that? that You've is been in the a, game a long time? That is a very complicated issue. Yes, I, I do have thoughts, just like everyone. It's, a, it's one of those controversial issues uh those tags uh auction tags are are selling for extraordinarily an extraordinary amount of money i mean there was a tag this year i believe it was a mule deer auction tag in the state of arizona that went for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. 100 percent uh a lot of your your sheep tags uh, from desert to Rockies will sell from eighty thousand dollars to three hundred and some thousand dollars. I can't uh, tell you 
if all of that money is going to put is going towards wildlife projects. I can't say. Hopefully mm -hmm. it is. And, mm -hmm. and that would be the positive aspect that people argue is that the money from those kind of tags goes back into uh, wildlife uh, fish and game departments to help put uh, wildlife back on the mountain. But it is controversial, and there has entered into this arena, as you well know. Uh, let's just say it's gotten very political. Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of our organi organizations, there, there's been... Uh, I don't like the drama, and I don't speak mm -hmm. out. I, mm -hmm. I listen. Mm -hmm. And with different organizations, I, I hear average people, uh, they feel that it's gotten so political that boards on different organizations are controlled. And so different people don't have an opportunity to even get on a board uh, for, say, this organization or that organization because it's... Uh, became a good old boy uh, type program. And, and some people feel like a lot of the money that's generated by organizations is going to salaries and things like that. And it, it's, it's become very politicized and it, I think it hurts us as, as hunters, but a lot of those organizations also do some incredible things by generating money and that goes back towards uh, conservation of wildlife projects. So I haven't got the answer, Robbie, but it is very controversial right now. Yeah. Look, I get both sides of the equation, right? I get the fact that people, the, the, again, the North American wildlife model, the, the resource, the public resource belongs to the people. Um, I get it. But I also get the need for wildlife conservation in this day and age, and there is a mechanism by which, which is the auction mechanism, to generate substantial amounts of funding that, as you, as you noted, and I don't have the data, I don't have the research to say that the money is going to go back for wildlife-specific purposes to put wildlife on the mountain. I do know this. This $750,000 tag that we talked about from Mule Deer Research in Arizona, every single penny of that money is going to mule deer work in the state of Arizona. Outstanding. That's what people like myself want to hear. Yeah. So, you know, there may be others that other states that have different mechanisms. And at the end of the day, there's also got to be people with salaries running these organizations to do the work that we need to do. And there's a lot of work an effort that goes into selling a sheep tag for $300,000, and if 10% of that money goes to the organization that did it, okay, I get it. I run a nonprofit. You have to put, keep the lights on somehow. Absolutely. Right? So, I, you know, I see both sides of the equation. Um, it is a limited resource, specifically sheep, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy also as you as you dive more into it in terms of numbers of hunters and numbers of tags and people it being a lot easier nowadays to 
you know, get your preference points and to understand the draw system because there's people that do the work for you. Um, but I, I, I also see the other side of the coin. Randy, as you, you've spent probably, a, you've, you've spent an enormous amount of time in the mountains, backpacking, checking things out and whatnot. What is the state of, can I be general and say, what is the state of sheep conservation? in the areas that you tend to frequent? Is it on the up? Is it on the down? Is it staying the same? Uh, I would say that it's going in a positive direction, Robbie. There's, there's been a lot of effort and, and work over the years to put sheep out on the desert or out on the mountain, as they call it. Uh, one of the problems with wild sheep is they live in, in such remarkably rough, rugged terrain, and yet wild sheep are a very fragile animal when it comes to catching disease uh, and just dying. Uh, you get a herd of sheep and, and, and they get a microorganism in that a pneumonia. And the whole herd can just die within months. And uh, we've made a lot of progress in the, that direction. They haven't came up with the answers to uh, eliminate those diseases in wild sheep herds. But overall, we, we have seen a lot of progress and we are seeing uh, more wild sheep in, in various states. Uh, I know here in Utah, for instance, uh, they've done a remarkable job of trying to get uh, transplants from other states and, and putting them onto uh, uh, ranges that used to host wild sheep, but those wild sheep died off in the frontier days because of disease or whatever. But I know to get... Uh, a transplant from another state, they'll test them. And if they have, if any of our sheep have any bad organism, organisms in their blood, et cetera, then a lot of those states that we're trying to get transplants in won't go ahead with the transplant because they don't want to put sheep where there are uh, some other sheep that might have some organisms in that could kill the whole herd. So I think there's been a lot of progress, and I do think we're moving in a in a positive direction in in states with wild sheep in them. Randy, do you have an idea on what the historic numbers were for sheep in Utah? Let's just use your home state as Utah. I, I I don't. I just know in the early pioneer days, well, clear back to when the ancient one ancient ones lived, the, the Anasazi. I mean, in the pictographs, et cetera, et cetera, you see what? Wild sheep. They, that was their livelihood. Uh, that's what they uh, subsisted on, et cetera. And so when the pioneers came, they did see a lot of wild sheep. But what happened is, of course, those animals were hunted for food, et cetera. But as domestic sheep herds, were brought into these states, uh, the domestic sheep carried a lot of disease. And so that 
killed a lot of the wild sheep off during those pioneers days uh, to where they almost became extinct in some areas. So to see the numbers of sheep growing in many of our states and the work that our wildlife agencies put in, that's a very positive sign that we're making progress again. Randy, we focused on sheep com- completely because you literally are wearing a hat that says high desert sheep. <laughs> um, but well, you, I haven't you got any hair grandf- underneath it, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, you said your dad and your grandfather were big mule deer hunters. You hunt mule deer too? Uh, I, I did when I was young and into my teenage days and in the glory days in the 60s and the 70s. What do you mean the glory days? Uh, back in the in the sixties, we just had an abundance of of mule deer, Robbie. Uh, we had some incredible herds, incredible trophy quality. That's just what everyone did was hunt mule deer. And then, probably in the late sixties, I'm talking Utah primarily right now, seventies. They had a lot of late season rut hunts, et cetera. And the the deer, the the big bucks, et cetera, were killed in in alarming numbers. And then it just seems like our, our mule deer, the herds have never came back. I think the elk herds began to grow and encroach on mule deer habitat. Uh civilization itself a lot of our mule deer habitat uh, was removed because of the growth of man etc and mule deer right now uh, mule deer herds in in the west are really hurting but yes i i love to hunt mule deer i think the toughest if you want to say trophy in north america is harvesting a giant mule deer buck i really do but I became so busy also uh, guiding sheep hunters that it's taken away a lot of my time, and I don't have the time that I used to to pursue a, a giant mule deer, and it takes a lot of time and the right habitat, and and you've got to get away from uh, numbers of hunters, et cetera, to pursue those kind of animals. There's still a few out there, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You, would you say there's more elk today in Utah than there was back at the, on the glory days? Absolutely. We we didn't used to see uh, elk back in the 60s or 70s like we do today. We'll see more elk than we do uh, mule deer in today's world, where I live at least. Mm, interesting. The... Yeah, it's 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 fun. And let me ask this question, and I think I know the answer, but it's it's worth asking: more hunters today than then? I actually, uh, yeah, yes and no. I I think yes, the hunting hunters we we have more hunters in some aspects, but sadly, I think that we're losing our some of our younger generation of hunters. And that really worries me uh, when we speak about our hunting heritage. And that's also what you guys are doing is trying to promote uh, 
what hunting is all about and get our younger people involved again. I, I mean, when you think about it, with our younger generation now, there are so many distractions from the internet to social media to TV. Life is just different and it's easier. And, and if we're going to promote our hunting heritage, we have to make sure we teach and educate our young hunters, just like you uh, are doing, so that our hunting heritage doesn't disappear in the dust of time. Randy, do you think we've lost our way as hunters from the people in the 60s, or we maybe are just in different times that we have to think differently? I think we do have to think differently. Uh, I call it, back in those days, I call it old school. We were old school. We knew how to work. Uh, uh, we knew how to hunt. We, we knew how to survive in the wilderness. And, and now, if we don't take the time as parents and grandparents and take our younger generation of hunters and spend time out there teaching them how to love the mountains and wildlife and 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 how to survive and and how to have fun and enjoy what's out there for them uh, we will lose it uh, i don't think we've lost the battle yet but uh you know we see a lot of anti hunters out there and and sometimes you know in in hunting i think we're we can be our worst enemies. I, I think it's what do you mean by we, that? we need to leave our egos at the door. I see too many egos out there with the social media stuff, and and it, it hurts us. We we need to do a better job of of educating. Just what you guys are going to do with that lion documentary, outstanding. We need to do that with all aspects of hunting if we're going to preserve. Our hunting heritage, and it's important that we do preserve it. Why do you think it's important, Randy? Beyond the wildlife conservation, we already talked about that. I believe it. It was our way of life. Uh, it's it's how we <laughs> we won the West, so to speak. Our 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 how they survived in Africa or, or other places. Uh, hunting is who we are. It's, uh, we, just, we just need to teach the love and appreciation and, and commitment to managing preser and preserving our wildlife resources or, or we'll lose them. And, and that's what the fight is about. And and, and just teaching those young han young hunters how to obey laws and regulations and what wildlife is really about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's certainly a crossover between ego and illegality of take. Yes. Uh, ab absolutely, and social media has just compounded it. Randy, what do you think about social media? Do you think we should be posting our pictures of the animals that we take on social media? I think there's a fine line there. Uh, yes, I think we should be proud of it, but we should do it 
in such a way that we're, we're honoring the animal. We're not honoring ourselves. We can post pictures and do it where we show what a magnificent animal that was, whether it's a two-point buck or an eight-point buck. Uh, clean the animal up. Uh, don't show the blood, etc., uh, etc. Et I do think you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But if we don't share and post, then we're not promoting our hunting heritage. But again, there's that fine line and we need to do it right. Randy, why do you hunt? Do you hunt just because you like to kill things? That's a great question. I no, I I hunt because I I love being out there. Uh, but Randy, you could go out there without a gun. True. And yet, so why don't you? I do some of the time, but. I also, I, I guess you could say that uh, killing an animal is somewhat in our bloodstream from, passed on from our ancestors. Uh, we're, in, we're in a ball game out there and in a, uh, competing against that animal on their home turf. Uh, I enjoy the meat. Uh, yeah, if you're a meat eater, isn't it the best way, best kind of meat to get? I I believe it is. When I say kind, when I say kind, I mean like the process, understanding that kind of stuff. I I believe it is, and and so killing, I guess, would be part of the reason we hunt, but I don't think that is the main reason uh, because I, I go out there a lot of times and I don't have a gun in, but in if, my hand. But when you're out there, when you're out there and you don't have a gun in your hand, are you still quote unquote hunting? Or are you just hiking? No, I think you're learning. You're hiking, you're learning, you're uh, enjoying nature, you're learning about that, that animal. I have an old friend, uh, Robbie, who's probably I, I I would say he's the best tracker that I've ever been around. He he doesn't promote himself. But this this gentleman, he's now 89 years old. He can still throw a backpack on. And he was he was just stopped by my home the other day. And he said, Randy, I was out on this mesa and I ran onto these buffalo tracks. And he said, I, I started following it, and there was a lot of mud, different things. And he said, they were following this rim, and I came to where one of them had left the herd. I could see where it jumped down off these ledges. He said, I could have followed uh, that buffalo, or I could have followed the others that were in the herd, and it was a small herd. And he says, I wanted to follow the herd because I thought, they're going to meet up again somewhere. 
the others chose not to jump off the ledge right there, and he followed them for a couple more miles, and they came. He came to a place where they all could get down through those ledges, and guess what? They joined up with that other one that had jumped off the ledges. But his mind works like a predator, and he says animals are so much smarter than we give them credit for. And that was an example that that he was using. And he just loves to get out there and match his wits and his expertise against a wild animal. And I, I know I haven't spent a great deal of time in Africa like many hunters have, but I did have the opportunity to spend some time in Botswana once. And the highlight of my trip, Robbie, was watching those Bushman trackers. Mm-hmm. Follow them out through the bush, and they could tell a kudu track that we were following from a hundred other tracks out it's there. It's like they were and seeing they were something completely oh, different, they were right? The most remarkable people I had, I've ever watched. It just fascinated me. And they're hunters. Yeah. And yes, they yeah. do kill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they were seeing something completely different. Absolutely. Like the, 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 Whatever it is, like the shapes, the contours, the shadows, the you know, I don't know if you remember, I remember as a kid, there was like this phase of like these 3D posters. And you had to like squint your eyes and, and make them cross and then come back out. And all of a sudden, this like image appeared. It was a 3D image. Yes, sir. And to me, that's what I think of these trackers. Like they're seeing something that you just cannot comprehend. That just is standing out. It's like, oh, it's like a beacon, right? It's like, oh, there, boom, 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 boom. Absolutely. They, they're just remarkable. And I, re- I remember we were around a campfire one night, and, and we were all talking. And they were telling me the story uh, about uh, a Bushman tracker. And I think they filmed it that they will actually run a kudu down. That Bushman tracker can run the kudu all day long. And finally, <laughs> the kudu bull just stops gets so because tired. of exhaustion. Stops and lays down, and the Bushman goes over and, and finishes the animal off. And, and mm-hmm. of course, they utilize the entire animal for, for everyone. But that, that's just remarkable that a human being could run a kudu bowl down and spend the whole day out in the bush doing it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Randy, any final thoughts about where we're heading from a hunting perspective? Are you optimistic about the hunter's future or hunting's future? I'm optimistic, yes, but we're in the fight of our lives because, as you said, we're, we're in a different day, a different age. And we have uh, social media and propaganda that throws a lot of uh, so-called spears the hunting industry way. But as, as you guys do a remarkable job of, of showing, without hunting, there would be countless jobs lost. Uh, gives a lot of revenue for smaller communities, uh, on and on and on. But we are in the fight of our lives, and it's people like you and your organization that are doing an incredible job. And so I just want to say uh, thank you for your efforts. Uh, 
much, much appreciated, but we need to get this younger generation fighting as hard as individuals like you do. Uh, I mean, I'm old school now. I've been there. I've done it. I've, I've fought the fight, but now my grandkids are going to have to do it. And I hope that I am, I'm teaching them how to do it the right way and teaching them to love our hunting heritage because it is critically important that we never lose it. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you, Randy Johnson. Uh, and uh, my dog is telling me it's time up. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to take mine out for a run. So we're both thinking the same, along the same lines. Well, I appreciate you, Randy. Thank you. You have a great day. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.